O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, August 21st. Shabbat Shalom. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north, even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph... There were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Kitetsi, and it means, when you go out. Deuteronomy 25, 1-19 When there is a dispute between men, and they go to law, and a decision is rendered declaring the one in the right, and the other in the wrong, if the guilty one is to be flogged, The magistrate shall have him lie down and be given lashes in his presence by count, as his guilt warrants. He may be given up to forty lashes, but not more, lest being flogged further to excess your brother be degraded before your eyes. You shall not muzzle an ox while it is threshing. When brothers dwell together and one of them dies and leaves no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married to a stranger, outside her family. Her husband's brother shall unite with her. He shall take her as his wife and perform the levir's duty. The first son that she bears shall be accounted to the dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out in Israel. But if the man does not want to marry his brother's widow, his brother's widow shall appear before the elders in the gate and declare, My husband's brother refuses to establish a name in Israel for his brother. He will not perform the duty of a levir. 
The elders of his town shall then summon him and talk to him, if he insists, saying, I do not want to marry her. His brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, pull the sandal off his foot, spit in his face, and make this declaration. Thus shall be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And he shall go in Israel by the name of the family of the unsandaled one. If two men get into a fight with each other, and the wife of one comes up to save her husband from his antagonist, and puts out her hand and seizes him by his genitals, you shall cut off her hand and show no pity. You shall not have in your pouch alternate weights, larger and smaller. You shall not have in your house alternate measures, a larger and a smaller. You must have completely honest weights and completely honest measures if you are to endure long on the soil that Hashem your God is giving you. For everyone who does those things, everyone who deals dishonestly, is abhorrent to Hashem your God. Remember what Amalek did to you on your journey after you left Egypt. How, undeterred by fear of Hashem, he surprised you on the march when you were famished and weary and cut down all the stragglers in your rear. Therefore, when Hashem your God grants you safety from all your enemies around you in the land that Hashem your God is giving you as a hereditary portion, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Job 1, 1-3, 1-26 There was a man in the land of Uz named Job. That man was blameless and upright, and he feared Hashem and shunned evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions were seven thousand sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and a very large household. The man was wealthier than anyone in the East. It was the custom of his sons to hold feasts, each on his set day in his own home. They would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a round of feast days was over, Job would send word to them to sanctify themselves, and rising early in the morning, he would make burnt offerings, one for each of them. For Job thought, perhaps my children have sinned and blasphemed Hashem in their thoughts. This is what Job always used to do. One day the divine beings presented themselves before Hashem, and the adversary came along with them. Hashem said to the adversary, Where have you been? The adversary answered Hashem, I have been roaming all over the earth. Hashem said to the adversary, Have you noticed my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears Hashem and shuns evil. The adversary answered Hashem, Does Job not have good reason to fear Hashem? Why is it you who have fenced him round about him and his household and all that he has. You have blessed his efforts so that his possessions spread out in the land. But lay your hand upon all that he has, and he will surely blaspheme you to your face. 
Hashem replied to the adversary, See, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on him. The adversary departed from the presence of Hashem. One day, as his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the house of their eldest brother, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing alongside them when the Sabaeans attacked them and carried them off and put the boys to the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. This one was still speaking when another came and said, Hashem's fire fell from heaven, took hold of the sheep and the boys, and burned them up. I alone have escaped to tell you. This one was still speaking when another came and said, A Chaldean formation of three columns made a raid on the camels and carried them off and put the boys to the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. This one was still speaking when another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the house of their eldest brother, when suddenly a mighty wind came from the wilderness. It struck the four corners of the house so that it collapsed upon the young people and they died. I alone have escaped to tell you. When Job arose, he tore his robe, cut off his hair, and threw himself on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. Hashem has given, and Hashem has taken away. Blessed be the name of Hashem. For all that, Job did not sin, nor did he cast reproach on Hashem. One day the divine beings presented themselves before Hashem. The adversary came along with them to present himself before Hashem. Hashem said to the adversary, Where have you been? The adversary answered Hashem, I have been roaming all over the earth. Hashem said to the adversary, Have you noticed my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears Hashem and shuns evil. He still keeps his integrity, so you have incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. The adversary answered Hashem skin for skin, All that a man has he will give up for his life. But lay a hand on his bones and his flesh, and he will surely blaspheme you to your face. So Hashem said to the adversary, See, he is in your power. Only spare his life. The adversary departed from the presence of Hashem and inflicted a severe inflammation on Job from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. He took a potsherd to scratch himself as he sat in ashes. His wife said to him, You still keep your integrity. Blaspheme Hashem and die. But he said to her, You talk as any shameless woman might talk. Should we accept only good from Hashem and not accept evil? For all that, Job said nothing sinful. When Job's three friends heard about all these calamities that had befallen him, each came from his home, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They met together to go and console and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could not recognize him, and they broke into loud weeping. Each one tore his robe and threw dust into the air onto his head. 
They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. None spoke a word to him, for they saw how very great was his suffering. Afterward, Job began to speak and cursed the day of his birth. Job spoke up and said, Perish the day on which I was born, and the night it was announced a male has been conceived. May that day be darkness. May Hashem above have no concern for it. May light not shine on it. May darkness and deep gloom reclaim it. May a pall lie over it. May what blackens the day terrify it. May obscurity carry off that night. May it not be counted among the days of the year. May it not appear in any of its months. May that night be desolate. May no sound of joy be heard in it. May those who cast spells upon the day damn it, those prepared to disable Leviathan. May its twilight stars remain dark. May it hope for light and have none. May it not see the glimmerings of the dawn, because it did not block my mother's womb and hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth, expire as I came forth from the womb? Why were there knees to receive me, or breasts for me to suck? For now would I be lying in repose, asleep and at rest, with the world's kings and counselors who rebuild ruins for themselves, or with nobles who possess gold and who fill their houses with silver. Or why was I not like a buried stillbirth, like babies who never saw the light? There the wicked cease from troubling, there rest those whose strength is spent. Prisoners are wholly at ease. They do not hear the taskmaster's voice. Small and great alike are there, and the slave is free of his master. Why does he give light to the sufferer and life to the bitter in spirit, to those who wait for death but it does not come, who search for it more than for treasure, who rejoice to exultation and are glad to reach the grave, to the man who has lost his way whom Hashem has hedged about? My groaning serves as my bread, My roaring pours forth as water, for what I feared has overtaken me, what I dreaded has come upon me. I had no repose, no quiet, no rest, and trouble came. First Corinthians 14, 1-17 Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you, except I shall speak to you either by revelation, or by knowledge, or by prophesying, or by doctrine? And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? 
For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise you, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian, and he that speaks shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so you, forasmuch as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say Amen at the giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what you say? For you verily give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Psalm 37, 12-29 The wicked plot against the just, and gnashes upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword, and have bent their bow, to cast down the poor and needy, and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, into smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borrows and pays not again, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lends, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves judgment, and forsakes not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Proverbs 21, 25, and 26 The desire of the slothful kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all the day long, but the righteous gives and spares not. I'd like to speak to you today from the book of Job. And I'm going to begin by reading the introductory remarks to this book from the Israel Bible. Job is a complex work. 
it poses the difficult and well-known question of theodicy, why do bad things happen to good people? Job begins with a narrative about an extremely righteous person named Job, who is to be tormented by Hashem. But why is to be is he to be afflicted? What is the reason for his suffering? The answer to these questions remain uncertain. Chapter 1 describes a wager God made with the adversary known in Hebrew as Satan, a spiritual being who is given the divinely assigned task of trying to cause people to stumble spiritually. Hashem insists that Job would remain true and loyal, even if horribly tormented, and knowing that he deserves no punishment. What follows is a description of how all of Job's children die and all of his property is lost. Job accepts this devastating news with equanimity. Then Satan afflicts Job with a horrible disease, but stops short of taking his life, as instructed by Hashem. At this point, Job can no longer cope. He begins to question God's justice, though he never questions God's existence or even his power. Job's friends come to reassure him, but their way of attempting to comfort him is by insisting that Hashem's justice is absolute and that he must therefore deserve his terrible suffering. Throughout this surprising remonstration, Job gets more upset and continuously protests his innocence of the suggested wrongdoings. Eventually, Hashem appears and reprimands Job for doubting him and the friends for sinning against him and then Job's formerly happy life is restored. Throughout the course of the book, Job is meant to learn humility and to understand that it is not his place to evaluate or question God. By accepting his suffering, Job becomes a better person. As the commentary in the Israel Bible demonstrates, sometimes it is those who Hashem loves most that he causes to suffer, because by doing so, he makes them stronger. So, that's the end of that commentary. It This whole book addresses the question, why do godly righteous people suffer? What is the purpose of suffering? What is the cause of suffering? Often suffering is a test, and we get a peek behind the curtain as to what goes on in the heavenly realm, in the spiritual world, And the adversary comes before the Lord and says, you know, a a challenge is issued. God says, Job is very righteous. And the enemy says, well, the only reason he's so righteous is because you've put a hedge of protection around him. But if you take that hedge of protection away and allow me to afflict him, he will curse you and die. So then the challenge has been issued and the test begins. Now, let's make this personal. I've known people, and it's even been true in my own life, when you go through an extreme adversity, and there seems to be no reason for it, and you've been following the Lord and trying to serve Him with all your heart, and then this terrible thing happens, and we have a tendency to blame God. Because after all, He's the Most High, He's sovereign, He's in charge, He's in control. And he's the grand orchestrator of all things. And so sometimes what happens is we tend to blame God. And then what happens is bitterness can set in and we harden our heart and we walk away from God. We, 
or we can just slowly drift away. We blame him for that divorce. We blame him for that bankruptcy. We blame him for that sudden infant death uh, baby that died in the crib. We blame him for that terrible thing that happened, for that assault, for that defilement, for just the suffering that we go through. And yet, we see in these opening scenes in the book of Job that really Hasatan, Satan, he's the one who does evil against us. It's not God. But yet Satan had to have God's permission to afflict Job. He couldn't just sovereignly decide, I'm going to afflict him. He, he went to heaven and he asked, he had to get God's permission. So yes, there's the sovereignty of God, but yet the the source and the origin of evil comes from Satan. Now, I want to point out two particular verses. Did Job have a role in his own affliction? I believe, yes, he did. So let's take a look at it. First, let's look at Job chapter 1, verse 5. And then we're going to look at Job chapter 3, verse 25. So in Job chapter 1, verse 5, it is written, And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. He's talking about his children. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned, and cursed God in their hearts. And thus Job did continually. So he's offering up special sacrifices, burnt offerings, one for each of his children, because he's afraid that one of his sons or daughters might have sinned and then bring down a judgment upon them. So he's offering these burnt offerings. So he's got some fear in his heart. And in fact, this is borne out when we look at Job chapter 3, verse 25. This is after all these terrible things have happened to him. His children have died. Uh, you know, his cattle and sheep are gone. And, you know, now he's got sores all upon his body. And Job chapter 3, verse 25. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come to me. So there he's revealing his heart. He had fear. He was afraid of losing his wealth. He was afraid that his children would somehow sin. And, and so this is why he would offer those daily burnt offerings. So this gives us a real clue that of how things operate. Job gave a permission slip to the enemy to afflict him. And what was that permission slip? The permission slip was fear. So the permission slip was granted to the enemy to afflict him. So any time that we sin, that sin gives grants a permission slip to the enemy. He now has legal ground to afflict and torment us. Um, you know, maybe it's some kind of an addiction, an addiction to pornography. That grants a permission slip to the enemy to afflict. Maybe our mouth is out of control and we use the D word, divorce, uh, to a spouse. That grants a permission slip to the enemy to afflict, to bring a spirit of divorce into the home through the very words spoken. So that's 
how the enemy is allowed to afflict and torment and attack his people is that there is a point of sin. And that sin is what opens the door and grants the permission slip. So knowing that, what do we do? There's a powerful way to pray when you've identified what you're dealing with, what spirit you're dealing with. Let's say it's a spirit of fear. That's what Job's issue was. He had a spirit of fear because he was afraid he would offer those daily sacrifices. And he didn't just have a normal fear. He said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. So how do you deal with the fear? Here is a way to pray. Um, Heavenly Father, in the name of Yeshua, I repent, renounce, and reject the spirit of fear in my life. This permission slip is canceled. Hasatan, go. You are evicted. You have no more legal right to be in my soul. I close the door to the spirit of fear, and I seal it in the blood of Yeshua. And now, Holy Spirit, please come. Reveal your truth to me and heal my heart. Then be quiet and listen and see what the Holy Spirit would say to you. That's a powerful prayer. And it's a prayer that takes out the spirit of fear in your life. And you can do that with any of the areas of sin or the demonic spirits that attack and torment us. Okay, that's all for today. We've gotten a nice start in the book of Job, and we will continue with this tomorrow. Shalom. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>